0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breadcrumbs. Today, I am joined by Rulof Temming, Managing Director of Vortimo, but you probably know him for all of the lovely tools he has out there in the wild. Rulof, how's it going?
1: Um, It's going well, Tom.
0: Thanks for taking some time to hang out with me today. You recently got to compete in a Trace Lab search party CTF for the first time. How was that?
1: Um, it was, it was a lot more nerve wracking than, uh, expected. I, I was pretty, I was pretty nervous about the whole experience, but, um, uh, I think at the end it turned out, it, it turned out really uh, positive.
0: You have a lot of real world intelligence experience. Um, was this your first sort of like seat, like, you know, OSINT or intelligence based CTF?
1: Um. I don't think it was the first one. It was one of the only ones. I think I played another one that uh, MWR put together a couple of years ago, but it wasn't, I mean, that was canned. So, you know, you, you know that there's an answer somewhere. Um, and I think it makes a, diff, a big difference if you, if you know that there, you know, there is a solution to the problem. Um, and it was also not timed. So this was like a lot more real world, and with a with a time constraint, and I think that that changes a lot of things. You know, if you're not if you're not sure of the outcome of something, um, then you know at some stage you, you got to know when to you know, you know, stop going down a rabbit hole and and try something else. While if you have a canned uh, a kind of a, a, a CTF, then you basically know that there's a solution. You must just try harder.
0: Absolutely. And I think later in the conversation, I'd like to circle back to your experience versus in the CTF versus the real world. But just to kind of set the listeners up in case they aren't familiar, um, do you want to go into some of the tools you've been a part of developing, some of the things you've given to the OSINT community?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, So my background was actually in security. So, so before before I was in 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 building OSN tools, I was a, a pen tester um, with a company that that we started in two thousand. So I'm, I'm giving away my age here. I'm I'm pretty old um, <laughs> in this game. Um, and so two thousand, we started a company that did pen testing called Sensepost, um, and you know that was great. We did it for seven years, and then. Um, I decided uh, I, wanted, I want to really build some software um, and, and basically the first software that, that I built was a, that, that I, I started a company called Paterva um, and Paterva had a, 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 basically one product called uh, Multigo um, and so in 2008 um, Multigo was kind of born um i i mean if you're interested i can tell you how we kind of got to it um
0: yeah do you want to um go into kind of what multigo is or maybe at a high level like kind of where it came from like what need was it trying to fill
1: sure so 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 one of the things that i really loved doing at, at, at sense Post was doing um what we called footprinting which is now i think nowadays they call it like recon um, you know, if you if you have a really uh, big network, um, a, a lot of the times it's not about um, finding finding a, a a weakness, finding a hole in one host. It's it's more like finding the host that has the weaknesses. And if you have a big uh, footprint of a, of a network, then you have a, a lot of those internet facing machines, and and your chances of of finding uh, a machine with a vulnerability is, is a lot bigger. So the, so the better you do the footprint, the bigger your chances of, of getting access to the network, which was what our goal always was. And so the thing that I really loved was taking, you know, huge organizations and then saying, well, Let, let's see, you know, what they have out there. Um, and so in, in that case, you're working with uh, fairly structured data, which is, you know, you, you start off with maybe a domain, uh, that gives you DNS names. The, those DNS names gives you IP addresses that goes to a net, network and the network eventually goes you know, to an AS number. Um, and, and so that's fairly structured. But then I kind of started thinking that, you know, uh, domains also has who's information. And back in the days, you know, those who's information contained email addresses and phone numbers. Um, but IP addresses also has whose who's information. Um, and, you know, a person has a phone number and an email address too. And so you start building this this kind of a, a mind map of how things can possibly link to each other um, with with like types and uh, and ways that you can go from one thing to the other thing. Yeah. You know, and those those ways that you can go from one thing to another thing became transforms you know that became a transform and and literally that's why we call it transforms is because it transforms the data from one type to another type um, and so you know really quickly uh, that that got very useful um, to be able to do those things and to see those patterns and and you know I don't know if you know this but you now, originally, uh, there, was a, there was actually a web client for Multigo. It, it wasn't even called Multigo back then. It started off, the name was, was called Evolution. Um, and then someone said, hey, you know, Oracle has this web client, uh, this webmail thing called Evolution. So you probably shouldn't use the word Evolution because it's probably trademarked. And then we also had, like, at the time, and I said, so then we're like, oh, we've well, got to change the name. And then, you know, at, at that time, the, the transforms were actually um, running locally on, on your machine. So there was no concept of a transform server or something like this. Um, and and because we, you know, because I was like not really uh, that geared up in, you know, commercial commercials and legalese and things like that, uh, you know, I thought it would be totally okay to, you know, if you have an email address, uh, you know, scrape some of the networks, uh, some of the social networks, and find out if that email address exists there. Back back then, you could do that, right? I'm not going to name names, but I'm sure you know which network I'm talking about. Um, and, and 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 then we got a seize the sis from them, and you know, and they they just send us a little letter from a lawyer saying, "You, know, you shouldn't be doing this," and and. And honestly, I thought at the time, you know, that's going to be the end of this, this, uh, this roller coaster that we were on. Um, but we kind of then, then said, okay, well, let's pick another name. Um, and uh, we got to the name. Actually, I think my wife made up the name and she's like, hey, that sounds kind of cool. Um, and, uh, you know, we changed the name. And then we said, well, maybe what we should do is have the code not run locally. But have the code run you know on a server so that if there's another kind of a drama with someone else that wants to change that you know that says we can't do this or something like this, then we can change the code and it would basically change it on everybody's machines like because it's not running there. Because, you know because we had this, this problem that we had a, a beta, I think a version one beta out there that was now still, you know, breaking the terms of use and we had a season and desist, but we couldn't really recall that because, you know, the code wasn't running on our machines. And so that became that became the reason why, why the transforms were running on a server. Um, it wasn't initially because of, uh, you know, commercial reasons or because we thought, well, we could sell uh, servers, which we later did, but it was because we said, it gives us the ability to quickly swap out code if there's any kind of future problems with this code you know, that we had with, with some of the stuff, um, or with some of the networks. Um, so that's kind of where, where you know, Multiga came from. Um, it, it came from uh, doing footprints for organizations um, and, and then later on seeing that actually, but this model works really well pretty much anything else. Um, you know, it was early in the game when I I, I really love um, films. And it was early in the game when I was like, well, we can visualize the directors, actors, uh, movies, and, you know, things on the IMDb. And we build, a, we basically build transforms that, you know, would tell you, you know, um, this actor play, played in this movie with these other actors and was directed by the same. You know, you could start seeing those kind of things. And so it's it's really not just for um, you know for for OS, for OSINT, but really, you know, Multigo is good at visualizing any kind of structured data.
0: I think like it it sounds very fundamental because the product exists now. But when you look back on what you did, like you you apply you realize that there was a structure to almost any set of data, and that lots of sets of data were connected. And then, and then created a tool to make those connections. One easier to find, but also easier to understand and visualize, you know, I think we take that for granted today, but Hmm. you know, 10 or 15 years ago, like that was the stuff of kind of like movies.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. And I think, I think what made it, you know, what makes it cool, what makes it a, a a tool that is, that is today, you know, still relevant and, and really nice is is that it is a, that that graph is an interactive graph. You know, there's that, I mean, it was also one of the most, you know, things that g- gave us the most drama is the fact that it is an interactive graph. So that means like you can, you know, a lot of guys have, a, have, have tools that they can visualize a, 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 a set of information that is, that, that's finite and that is not dynamic, that doesn't change. You know, so you feed it into this thing, and it visualizes it. And hey, you know, two minutes later, you have this really nice-looking graph, and everybody thinks that you are a genius for you know having this graph. It's weird because people always have this thing like, if there's a graph on the screen, you must be very clever. It's we can go into that as well. But anyhow, um, but if it's an interactive graph and and it and it needs to grow and it needs to, and you need to interact with it by you know adding nodes, uh, adding nodes onto the graph and you know running transforms and things like that. That makes it a lot more interesting and makes it a lot more complex to, you know, to ma- to manage as well.
0: Yeah, and at the at the beginning of this part of the conversation, you you hit on something that I think is actually fundamental. To an OSINT investigation that I, i'd like to to drive home for especially maybe some of our newer listeners you were describing instead of trying to find a vulnerability in one machine instead if you found all the machines chances are one of them has a vulnerability you can exploit yeah the exact yeah. same View or the exact same methodology can be applied to OSET instead of trying to just Stare at someone's Facebook profile and just find some magic piece of information That's going to tell you what you need to know instead find all their social media profiles Chances are one of them is going to have what you're looking for so that that methodology applies to both maybe a more like a pen test or network centric investigation all the way over to a more people centered sort of social media investigation.
1: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I think, look, I think there's a lot of, um, having worked in both, in both kind of industries that in testing and OSINT, you know, depending on what you do in OSINT, you know, and depending what you do in security, but you know, but there's a, there's a big overlap in terms of the thinking between the two industries, or not industries, maybe to, to, you know, very specific things, because when you're looking, if you're looking to find someone, then um, you also need to know, you know, it's the same as if you're looking for a vulnerability. And in in, in pen testing, one of the big things is to know when to try something else you know, and when to give up. We mentioned it earlier in the conversation with the canned, you know, with the canned things. It's the same thing if you're having a, a hack me, you know, one of these things that you know, oh, the machine is vulnerable, you just need to find a way. But if in the real world, it doesn't work like that. In the real world, you, you might not find a vulnerability on a machine and and you have to make another plan and you need to find another way. And it's the same thing when you, when you, you know, trying to um, find people you know, if it's, if it's not working, you got to know when to give up and try something else. And if there's a time constraint on that, even more so, right? Even more. So do you need to know, okay, well, this is not working. I need to, I need to try something else. Um, So I think there's a big uh, uh, overlap in the mindset between the two.
0: Whenever, I see maybe new people come into the OSINT community or come into our OSINT community. Um, I always try to steer them away from tools. Tools are very dangerous um, in the hands <laughs> of, of of new people, not necessarily for what they would do with them, but for the the sort of later dependence I feel it will create. So I'm a huge advocate of, you know, learn to do it the hard way, learn to do it the manual way, oh. because so much of of OSINT, especially People OSINT, can be done manually. If you have a web browser, you can do a ton of People OSINT and then later find tools that will automate what you would have to do manually. Um, so I'm, I'm generally speaking uh, anti-tool, but Multigo I feel is something different, something special. It's not just automating something you can do manually, it's actually helping you do something you probably couldn't do with a pen and paper or with a you know with a word document or you know with a whiteboard um do you want to go into maybe the the space that multigo fills or maybe a better way of asking it would be you know what is multigo good at and then hmm. on the flip side what is multigo not good at like when when yeah. when when would people want to use it but also when would they maybe not want to use it
1: yeah, so the, I mean, I think that's a great that's a great question. Um, now, as a start, I'm going to tell you that I'm I'm maybe pro tool because I've created many many tools. You know, so and 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 I'll so I'll first want to talk about that part. A, a, and I and I think I think as a start, I want to say I think you're right. You know, you need to. Um, you need to understand what it is that you're doing before you can automate it, right? We used to, in the Multigo training, I did like tons and tons of Multigo training. Um, and we used to always tell people, f- show them first how to do it by hand and then say, okay, well now let me show you how to do it within the tool so that you understand like when stuff goes wrong, why did it go wrong? You know, is it is it the software? Is it because it's a special case? Is it because you know, there's something wrong with your network. Well, you know, what's why is it not working the way that you thought it's going to work? Um, and for that, you need to know how to do it manually. So, as a start, I would put that down as absolutely. You need to understand. You need to understand exactly what it is that you're doing before you automate it. Right now, having said that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that say don't rely on tools. But the, the fact is that we do rely on tools all the time. I mean, you're using a browser. I mean, a browser is a tool, right? It is, it's a tool. You're not, you're not paging through, you know, paper there. <laughs> so, and then when you Google something, I mean, Google is a tool. Google it, Google itself is like this huge thing that, that you know, you can go through a lot of data with. And then people say, oh, but that those are not tools. Well, they are tools. So, I mean you're relying on tools as a start, you're already relying on tools. It just depends on when you rely on these tools and what kind of tools they are, right? So I think if you do something um, over and over, so like, let's say you enumerating uh, things, right? You know, you look, I've got an alias and I need to look this alias up on like, you know, 50 different uh, uh, providers. Well, you could do it by hand, right? But if we understand how to do it and we can automate it, then by all means, automate it. And if you need to, for instance, go through lots and lots of pages, if you're searching dumps, well, yes, you can download the dump, you can index the dump, and then you can write an elastic query to search through the dumps. But you know what? There's people that do that for you. And so using a tool or API call to that is... I think it's worth it. I mean, it literally to do it by hand is not going to work. Or when you have to do things that, that like, let's say you've got to visualize complex relationships, right? I mean, that's where something like multigo is useful because you can't, you can't draw those things by hand. You'd be there the whole day. Right. And I think when you start looking at those things and you say, what is the thing that is common between those things and, and, and things that I can, that I that I can understand why when I can automate and when not to automate you kind of got to ask yourself um, can you describe the process on paper absolutely perfectly and if you can if you can write an algorithm for it and it works all the time then hey maybe you can you can uh, Maybe you can automate that, right? But if it's something that you can't write down and be like, this is what you need to do, and, a, and there's a computer that can do it, then you can't automate it. So let me give you an example again, right? If, if I'm saying, well, you got to search through dumps, well, that's pretty easy. Like I can write on paper, take all the dumps, put it in an index, and write a query for every index or, you know, one in a one, you know, search through this one index. And when you find it, show me the data around the, the term that I put in there. And I said, that's not, that's not something complex. That's something that we can automate. But if it's something like, okay, go through all of these Facebook posts and tell me which of them are made by family members. I mean, that's not something that you can that you can write down on a, on a piece of paper. Then a computer can't do that, right? So if you can understand really what it is and you're confident that you can write it in a way on a piece of paper that has five steps or seven steps and it's always the same and it always works. And then by all means, you know, use a tool to do it. But if it's not that, then, you know, then you need to eyeball it. Then you need to look at it and understand the context and need to understand the meaning of the things that you are looking at. And I think that's where people kind of um, fail at this. Now, this is the, this is the first part that you asked me also when, you know, when do people use Multigo? When shouldn't you use it? was what, what it good for? What is it not? And people, people always used to tell us, oh, Multigo is good for finding things, right? And, and I find people, and now we found these people with Multigo, and I'm like, and I, I like it when you say that, but like, I think you're wrong. Like, I genuinely just think that you're wrong, right? So when you have nothing, to start with, if, if you have a name to start with, right? Or whatever it is that you start with, then Multigo is really crap at like finding those things, right? Because it's not good for finding, um, uh, it's not, uh, what Multigo is good for is finding relationships in structured data, like DNS. You know, DNS is, is great, like you can never go wrong, has it, it has the set way of how things sit together. If you look at social networks and you're looking at friends and followers, right, I can tell you that Montego is fantastic for that because I cannot go through five profiles, look at all the friends of five profiles and find common friends between those five. I just can't do that by hand, right? I can't even do it for, you know, more than two. I can maybe do it for two with like nasty Excel tables and things like this, but you cannot do it for, more than more than that, and that's what it's great for. You know, I did a, I did a um, some some work for, uh, uh, you know, I did some work regarding um, foreign influence campaigns. I also can't say exactly, um, but for that, you know, I specifically looked at um, friends and followers on Twitter, and it's amazing. Like Multigo is absolutely perfect for that job. Because you're looking only at the relationships between data. Um, it's not good for saying, well, um, make sense of, you know, who's the, who's the family members that's, making, that's doing these posts? Because that's not structured data. The data is not marked up in a way that contains the information so that it can be graphed in a way that makes sense. And I guess that's where, um, with the stuff that I'm doing now, with the tools that I'm building now, that is a lot more um, built to help you to look at unstructured data, to look at kind of chaotic data, um, and, and, to, and, to, and to assist you in, pro- in you know, processing um, those kind of things. You know, in Multica, everything has to be a graph. And, and sometimes things are, are just, you know, it, sometimes you want stuff just to be, you know, to be text. So it's good. Multigo is great for unstructured, uh, uh, it's good for structured data that you that you have an inkling of what's going on and how that information is already, uh, how they relate to each other. If you know exactly how they relate to each other, then Multigo is fantastic for, for showing those kind of relationships that you can't find by hand. But if it's unstructured data, and people data, as you know, well, it, in many cases, people data is not structured. It's not, you know, it's there's context to it. you got to read it and be like, well, what does he mean when he say this? And, uh, you know, how many times have you looked at stuff and you see, oh, someone congratulates someone else on their birthday on their Twitter feed and you go, oh, there's the birthday. Make a note. That's never going to be something that Multigo can show you because it's 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 not structured.
0: I think it's always funny when you hear the person that created a tool or piece of software to say, No, this is how it's supposed to be used. Everybody. <laughs> so stop <laughs> it's 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 always interesting whenever something gets out in the wild, um, you know how it ends up being used versus how it was intended to be used by the creators. I think that's the dilemma of yeah. the creator.
1: Look, I think, Tom, if you, if you, we actually considered it, right, when we played in the, in the CTF, right, we <clears> considered <throat> saying, well, maybe what we should do is create a multigraph graph for the information that we get, right, because, I mean, it's fantastic also for just drawing l- pictures of how things sit together, not transformed. I mean, you can use case file for that, right? Um, they have a, I still think they have still a version that's absolutely free. And that you could just, you know, draw little pictures and say this links to this, that links to that. Um, so, no, transforms just, you know. And I think it's great for being able to do The reason why we at the end didn't do it was literally because of the time constraints. We said, man, if we have to draw this thing out um, on a graph still and still submit to the CTF and still do the digging, you know, that's we just don't think that it's going to have, that we're going to have the time for it. But I mean, if, if, it was, if, if it was an investigation that I was doing that was, you know, over multiple days, then for sure, you know, that, it's really good for that as well.
0: Got it. Um, you'd, you'd mentioned developing tools that were maybe better with unstructured data. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to go into some of those? Yeah. So, so, I mean, the stuff, so maybe I can tell you
1: just a little bit what we're doing, what I'm doing at the moment. Um, so I left um, at the start of 2018, I left uh, paterva and it's now, I, I know Maltigo is in good hands. It's been run by um, a German company. Uh, they actually, they, they, one of the first things they did is they said, "Oh, we're just going to make a company called Maltigo and, and not have this whole paterva Maltigo thing. I was like, oh, that's probably a great idea. You know, having a brand <laughs> under one name because we had so much confusion about like what is the tool called is it called Mold Tarva or you know uh, yeah you know initially that was a thing um so so i left in 2000 I, I left at the start of 2018 end of 2017 um and then you know i took i took a, a bit of time off just to you know clear your head and you know think about what it is that you want to do things like this. Um and then in, in the start around right about 2020, 2019, 2020, um, I started a, co- a new company called uh, Vortimo. Um, and we also said we're gonna have the tool called Vortimo because hey again we you learn from your, <laughs> you learn from your mistakes, right? Um, and so and so initially you know the idea with with, with timo was to say yeah, i always had this dream about building like a brand new browser like a browser that that wasn't an extension on a browser or something like this but with, that was a completely new browser and and the thing with this i even did i did a presentation once on it in in amsterdam um, and and the idea with the browser with this browser was that it would it would be a browser where information was not um, organized by site, but by content. Um, and so, you know, right now, how do we work? we we be we like, well, it, it's on this site and it's on that site uh, uh, and, and you got data sitting on Twitter and you see the data sitting on Facebook and be contacted and everywhere. But really, maybe it's the same data or it's about the same person or it's about the same organization and they're just on multiple networks and they have a blog and, you know, there's information on a wiki page. But really what we want to do is we want to change the thinking so that it's not uh, centric. It's not siloed as websites, but that it's organized by a person so that you can literally kind of say, okay, here's a person's name or a concept or a, you know, a a subject or a, 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 any of these objects that we have and say, well tell me everything that you know about this thing and organize the data in a different way than what we that than what we have it today. And because the data is organized by the people that have the websites. So think about it, Twitter, Facebook, all of those people, they present you that data in a way that they determine for you to consume that data. But that might not be the way that you want to consume it. And you can't really change that, right? You can't change how you consume that thing. So my idea was to say, well, maybe we want to consume it in different ways. And we want to consume it as a start where, you know, there's matchups between all of the, you know, mashup between all of the data that's on these different places. And so I had all sorts of like these really crazy ideas about how that can work and things like this. But what became really clear really quickly was. That you need all of the information to be able to do that. Like, so you need to be like a Google or a Microsoft or you know, someone like that that has all of that information and then can say, well, let me, let me show you this thing based on the organization. And so, you know, that that's that's never gonna work, like unless unless they do it. Um, so I said, well, maybe what we need to be looking at is a subset of that information. And that subset ended up being things that you browse to, So, so well, let's just look at the sites that you've been to because that's a, a set of data that we can manage. That's not like the entire internet, right? And so the first thing was to find a way to capture that data. Um, and, and, you know, there's that saying, I love the saying, right? Um, they call it the developer's credo, which is like, uh, we do things not because they're easy, Uh, but because we thought they would be easy. Um, And that was literally what it was. Like we thought like, okay, so you capture all these pages, you know, you get the text from there, you get the images from there and then, hey, that's okay. And it ended up being like really difficult to do that, um, to do that reliably. Um, It was, I actually did a talk at layer eight about, uh, last year I did a talk at layer eight at exactly how difficult it is to do that reliably and all the time and blah blah blah. Uh, it's 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 not even that exciting, but it's just really 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 difficult, right? And so once we got the once we got the, the pages, you know, then you could do all sorts of funky things like you know pause the information for um, for for different objects, um, and we you know we thought that it's really important that that recovering the pages. That you've had um, it should be sh- you, you should be able to recover the pages right so we build this crazy ui that that now is alo- that now allows you to search on you know different combination of objects the site where you saw it you know the information that got extracted any kind of free text um, the time when you saw it you know when there if there was any tags because we built this thing called tags because we found out like actually um, when you're looking at this information when you're browsing the information then really quickly you 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 have to give the 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 user the ability to say certain information is more important than others so for instance if I'm playing in your ctf and and I see a I, you know I see an image that I'm like this is the person that we are looking for and I, I need to tell this tool that sits at the back and that's basically indexing all of this information that this is important right so we build this we built this concept of tags that allows you to, to mark things in your browser while you're doing it. So not out of the tool, you have to switch over to the tool. Right? It gives you the ability to do it right there in the browser, right? And, and so that kind of led to this whole what we call augmented browsing, right? Where we basically change the browser to give you information as you are browsing these sites. It gives you these little heads up display that says, hey, this this is something that you've seen before, or this is something that you've tagged. And you can annotate it so you can write notes, which actually work really well with the CTF because you guys also want that, right? You look, well, you need a, you need to, you know, say where you got it. And and we literally have it right there because we go, oh, we see this thing you annotate it right right there quickly. In the browser. there's no paper, you know, alt tab to another application. It's right there in the browser, you annotate it, you mark it, you say this is important. Um, and that gives you that gives you the, the ability to then later on say in the UI, say, well, only show me the things, you know, that I thought was important. And it would say, these are the pages, these are the images, you know, these are the objects. Um, and that and you know, that and that makes it really useful for, for, for this kind of like crazy chaotic data, because I, as a user give context to that stuff straight away, when I'm in the investigation, when I'm there, I can right click on the image and say, tag this image as now in the CTF, we only use like one tag. So, you know, that was like, Hey, this is important, but in, but in real investigations, you know, you would be like, well, maybe you got five suspects, you know, and, um, and they got families, and so maybe you want to have tags for every family. Um, you know, I, ha- I know people have crazy amount of tags, but that, you know, we we envisage it as like having maybe ten or twelve of these tags floating around, and you could give multiple tags to things, you know, and it makes it super easy to then afterwards go find those things, because you know, in your CTA, if your investigations, uh, uh, the in, the real investigations is not four hours long, they they two weeks or two months um, that, you know, and and I I mean, you can barely remember what you saw this morning. Uh, Now you got to go and someone asks you, where did you see, you know, where did you see this name? Or have you ever in, in all of the stuff that you browsed, have you seen the name of this? And it's impossible if you don't have those things indexed and organized in a way that you can find that information again, forget, forget this whole, Oh, but we have to have a forensic, copy of the site. And this is just to make sense of like thousands of pages that you've been through. You know, where did this name or uh, hashtag show up? We build a thing now in even to have graphs within Vortimo so that we could be like, okay, you've now spent, let's say you spend three days on Facebook, you know, looking at different suspects, di- looking at different, um, you know, relationships that these suspects have. Can you tell me what name that is not part of your investigation shows up more than other names? You just can't do that, right? But with the tools, you can do that. Um, and so it's this kind of hybrid between um, it's this kind of hybrid between structured stuff because some stuff gets um, tagged, uh, some stuff gets extracted out of the text. And we can say, well, that is an email address. We know for sure that's an email address. And that's a hashtag. And we kind of make some assumptions about what is a name and things like this. Um, and then we, and, 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 but the rest, but that is kind of augmented by the user saying, but, you know, I can I, I can write with my hands a note on this thing that says, this is why this is important. And this is where it fits in. And it fits in with this tag. Um, now, when we got to that stage, right, and we have these objects that we tagged and extracted, we said, well, hey, eh, you know what, we can enrich those objects. And so initially we had a thing with Invotimo that did the enrichment of those objects. Um, and where, you know, you could run, you know, if it was an IP address, you could be like, show me the geolocation. And, you know, we 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 had it between links and widgets. And widgets is really just another way of saying, well, pass it off to you know Shodan or pass it off to the census API and render that data. And initially we had it kind of combined within there. But then since I think version 1.1, we separated that out. And I built this site called OSINT tool, Dash tool You can also go just OSINT Um, And it's kind of like a start me page. But it, but it is a little bit more clever. So, I mean, there's a lot of links. And like I, like I, I, I actually wrote in that write-up, you know, I said that when you're in the CTF and your know, time goes by so quick and you, it's chaotic and like having those things there is just great because you know, well, at least if I go through these different sites I'm going to get a certain amount of coverage that I need to do. I just need to do it. And I don't need to do that thinking. And you know, I don't need to go, oh, where am I going to find this? You have it right there, right? Um, but the more interesting things, obviously, would be the the calls to the API. Um, and, and so we came into the CTF with a fairly well-loaded uh, amount of API keys that we got in there. That Some of the very expensive providers we couldn't get. I just couldn't, I didn't want to, you know, spend that kind of money on it, um, which is also something we can talk about actually, because I, I don't know, man. Um, and then, and then, you know, uh, with a lot of the stuff, I remember with this one case, um, I'm not going to go into the specifics, but with this one case, it was someone that I think actually moved really from one country to the other. Um, and we, you know, and we had a telephone number and we could just, you know, put it in there and say, well, you know, across all of these providers that we have, you know, dehashed and leak check and who's XML and risk IQ and people and all of those, guys, just run this telephone number and see what you have. Now, again, you can do that by hand by logging into all of those sites and putting that number in and making sure that it's in the right format and run it and then look at the output and trying to see if it's the same But if you do it in one go, you know, it just saves you, it saves you a lot of time. And it it takes away some of that anxiety of like, oh, did I cover all my bases? You know, is there something that I I have resources for, but that I didn't use at the time, you know? Um, And so we split it between those, we basically took that out and we put it in a site called... um, called osintool.com. so you know, that's free you know you could just go there and put it in and it also has the ability to you know save the output so I can save the output I can search the but oh, there's all sorts of things you know that's that I think is pretty useful there um, you can you can run multiple objects at a time you know? and so so that's kind of like where I think in the past a lot of people in multigo days had this thing of you know they want to run all transforms. We hated it when people did it. We used to tell people you can't run all transforms. When you run old transforms, it basically just means you don't know what you want to do. Right? But it has that appeal of saying, well, I have this one thing and I want to run, I want to kitchen sink it. We, I now call it kitchen. You know, I run everything but the kitchen sink on this thing and I want to see what you get. And I think that's kind of okay to do if it's, if you understand what it is that you're doing, if you understand what are the things, you know, if it's the same kind of thing that you're doing and you're looking it up at different sources or things like that, right? I think it's kind of okay. And, and I think what people, the mistake that people make in Multigo is they run all transforms and they think, well, you know, then there's, there's my, this is everything that I have. And clearly, that's not what the tool is meant to do. Right, And we actually took the button out. I remember there were riots in the streets. People threw us at conferences with bottles. Not really. But, I mean, people were very unhappy when we took that out, right? Um, and, we, and we put it back in because, you know, people wanted to run all transforms. Now, in OSN tool, you can run all transforms. You just don't get it as a graph. You get it as, you know, as text. And, and, uh, and that was the idea that you could do with that i've been running i know
0: it was it was really insightful to hear the you know the the inception um of vortimo and then sort of where it is today i think that i think the term you used was perfect and is probably worth expanding on a little bit you mentioned augmented browsing and i i see i see vortimo filling a similar gap that Maltigo filled. And what I mean by that is, you know, Maltigo was doing a job that human beings couldn't reasonably do. Um, you know, they, there's, there's no way they could graph out all of that information. I like Vortimo because it, it leverages the fact that human beings are pretty good at noticing things and assigning value to things within their own personal or mental framework Human beings are terrible at recalling things
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah dude I don't know. No, yeah absolutely that's exactly you 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 absolutely i mean i, I can I can package that as marketing slogan you know um, <laughs> uh, it's you, you're right um, the the one thing that we also found was that you want to do it in the browser because by the time you know, I don't know, my attention span is really short. It's like if I have to alt tab onto something else, then go find it and then go write a little note about it and then come back, I've lost that train of thought that I had. And so we wanted to make it like super easy to quickly see things. Like, and and I don't know if you looked at it. I mean, it highlights things, you know, that, that was tagged before. So you can go through a page, literally scroll down the page and just look for red highlight and be like, oh, the name was mentioned there, you know, and that hashtag was mentioned there and this telephone number was mentioned there. So it gives you, it basically gives you that ability to really quickly find the parts of the pages that are interesting to you. And I mean, even having said that right now, you know, it goes against, Oh, you got to really look at everything because you're going to miss stuff if you don't do that. So, you know, maybe it's good and maybe it's bad. Because it makes you kind of lazy in that way to really look through it. But uh, you know it is maybe a crutch. Uh, it maybe it maybe gives you the ability to to scan through a lot of data and 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 get the stuff that you you know where the good information is going to sit.
0: So all this talk about tools was really setting us up for the next part of the conversation, um as it so often does. but um i'm I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on ctfs versus real life and i mean we we could we could talk either like say like you know hack the box versus actual pen testing we could talk you know and a search party ctf versus actual maybe missing persons investigation um i'm i'm really fascinated to hear your thoughts because i think that there's a ton of value in ctfs it's a great place to practice to learn new skills um you know, just to get exposed to the 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 knowledge base that you might need to succeed, you know in the in their real life counterparts, but they're obviously not real. You know, if it's a hack the mm-hmm. box, there is an exploit. you just have to find it. Um, mm-hmm. If it's a search party CTF it's obviously timed You know, real investigations don't have a four hour time limit. um yeah. and and you know there's a number of other components that go into a quote unquote real or a you know a law enforcement investigation. Um, so I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on CTF versus real life.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, so as a start, Tom, what I would say is I think you guys are doing a really good job at gamifying this with the CTF that you have. And I don't really think you can make it a lot better. Like, I don't think there's this, oh, but they should have done this, you know, um, and you know the point system i think it works and I, and i think and i think sometimes you know some teams uh, can argue that you know they it is you know this one particular thing that they submitted you know wasn't scored correctly or something but i think over a over a you know we we at the end had something like 59 submissions I think fifty nine, yeah, I think fifty nine submissions, and I think now over fifty nine submissions, it, it's going to even out somewhere way, right? Um, so I think the scoring system is is okay. Um, in terms of w- w- how that compares to real world, um, I, th- I I like the fact that y- you give real cases. That's fantastic because that changes things. A lot to canned situations. Now, I suspect, uh, and I and maybe I, I, you probably won't won't tell, but I suspect you you your organisation look at those cases beforehand and determine which of them are going to go somewhere and which of them are not going to go at all, right? So I, I'm pretty sure it's not the first time that you look at those. It's on on the day that you release it, right? Um, and so, and then, 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 of course, you got to think. Uh, well, that's what I thought. I, I thought, well, um, you know, it is then maybe to a certain amount. I wouldn't say it's canned, but at least we know that the organisers are not going to pick six cases where you can find nothing on, right? So, m- maybe as a question to you, how much of this, how, how deep do you? does trace lab look into the cases before they submit it to the to the competition
0: yeah that's a great question and i would say you're pretty much spot on um obviously the trace labs model works really well on individuals that have a large social media footprint Um, it works great for people that maybe disappeared themselves like you know maybe teenage runaways for example the model does not do a great job for people that just vanish if you went hiking one day and never came home you know there's only so much osa can do to help you if you were driving to work one day and just never came home depending on what happened to you the trace labs model may or may not be useful if you just get random act of violence just random abduction Like that's that's not really what our model is built to assist with. Um, So Mm -hmm. so so coming back to your point. um, Our law enforcement partners have gotten really good at feeding us the kinds of cases where we can be useful. So they're probably not going to give us a 15 year old cold case where the person wasn't on social media there's there, there's not yeah. a lot there's not a lot we can do in four hours to assist with that investigation so typically law enforcement is giving us cases they know we can help with and then and then we will have a a look at them ahead of the ctf and just make sure it's not going to be to your point six people with no facebook accounts and okay well that was a fun ctf yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so
1: i think i think i think also. In terms of, I mean, we can talk. I think maybe this is a different discussion, but I think in there are some of the rules that in the competition, because you have you know six hundred and fifty people playing at the same time, um, that I think in in the real world is maybe a little different, right? Um, and depending on depending on what it is that you're doing and depending on who you're working with you know you guys are working with the with law enforcement um, and so they have very specific rules that says what you can and what you can't do i mean those rules are not if you in a private intelligence firm those are not the same kind of rules that apply to them you know they they might say well this password reset business we we don't we don't really care that's fine you know Um, uh, I've worked with with many private uh, investigators that are totally okay with doing that, right? Um, and if they see a password in a dump, you know, they might ask the parents if, it, if it's like, you know, if it's a minor, they might ask the parents if they can try it, uh, you know, in the real world and see if that password still works. And they might not even ask, right? Right. Um, So I understand. I totally understand the reasons why you have those rules. You have rules that says you can't interact with, um, you know, with any of the people. Obviously, that makes a ton of sense. Like I can understand why you do this, Um, but again, in the real world, if this, if this is, if if you're pressing for time, you're getting a you get a lot of good information by interviewing people. Then it's not OSINT anymore. Like, then it's not like, oh, it's, it's it. and I guess that's one of the things that really bugged me from the OS, from this whole, from the whole OSINT kind of industry is, you know, they have, they have these, they, they put this stuff in these little containers that says, this is what we can and what we can't do. But in the real world, the people that play in that game and that's in private intelligence firms, they don't care about those walls between those things. They they interview people. They find people. They do all of those things, right? Um, and so, I, I think that change that that is one of the things that make that 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 is the, you know for me a big difference between the competition and the real world. You know, it's it's uh it's not so kind of um, regulated. Let's put it that way.
0: Correct. Yeah. And we are absolutely running these CTFs on what I guess you would call safe mode. Um, (laughs) and, and and you, and you hit on all the reasons why, um, because we have 650 anonymous people, um, you know, trying to keep their behavior as consistent and as safe as possible. But in the real world, um, I'll just, I'll just try to speak to maybe the United States. If you're a private investigator and parents come to you to find their missing child, they're going to probably give you access to their social media accounts. They're going to, if you find their passwords, they're probably going to want to get in there. They're going to give you information that you would never find online about their child's behavior and their mindset. Um, Password resets are not illegal. We just don't like them because who knows where they're going to lead. There are so many like legitimate OSINT techniques or even Legitimate investigative techniques so that you're not going to find in our CTF, but I think that that's a really good point that there's so much more to and this kind of goes back to the question of CTF versus real life We're only showing you like a slice Of intelligence work or a slice of investigative work. There's so much more to the field of private intelligence private investigation um, that we're unable to show you. So I think that's a really good call out to anybody. Like, there's so much more to to intelligence than trace labs,
1: for sure. But I mean, but 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 I think you guys do a really good job of of saying, like I said, to make this accessible for people that's never done any of this. You know, um, we you know we had people in our team that never done this these kind of things you know we, we kind of try to you know give them a little bit of you know training, put it that way as to what to look for and things like this. But it makes it it, it, it makes it um, accessible to to anyone with a browser, you know And if you look at the, if you look at the competition, I can tell you honestly that the tooling for the competition itself was, I oh, mean, it was okay. Uh, you know, I'll be a bad salesperson if I say the tools didn't do anything for me in the competition. But uh, it's it's not as important in the competition as it is in the real world. And so maybe that's another that's another um, difference between you know the real world and 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 in the competition because you guys make it so that you can find these things with the browser. And you don't need heavy tooling to do it. It um, helped us here and there, but not as much. Again, like I said, you know, if you have a two-week investigation, then what well, is really nice because you can go back, you know, to what you did a week ago. In four hours, you've got a single thread on one person or maybe two cases. And uh, it helps, but it doesn't help as much as it helped in the reward.
0: Yeah, and... I, I guess maybe to bring things back full circle and just demonstrate what a hypocrite I am. Like in the in the context of Trace Labs, the platform is the tool. Like that is our tool to organize and track all the information coming in. And without that tool, what we're doing wouldn't be possible. Just in case anyone's ever been curious, every single flag that's submitted is going to be a line in a CSV file. You know for lack of a better explanation, and it's going to have all the details of your submission. And it's it's that final dump that we're able to then go through and generate our reports for law enforcement. So, for, so in the context of a TraceLab CTF, the platform you're interacting with really is the most valuable tool. Rulov, thank you for your time. Uh, what the listeners don't know is that this is probably the first of several conversations we're going to be having. I I don't even feel like we scratched the surface of what we, you know, could talk about. I think we had a great conversation. Uh, we got to talk tools. We got to talk CTF versus real life. Um, thank you for taking time out of your day for this first episode that I doubt will be the last episode. Is there anything you want to plug where people can find you online things you want to get out there
1: uh tom yeah thanks for the opportunity this is actually really great um, and i know we we spoke a lot uh afterwards uh so i think it's I, I think you're gonna have a good time editing everything up but um yeah look we uh we are on twitter at uh Votimo Tech um that's mostly where you can see you know what we're doing and and obviously the website vortima.com. Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna see, if you wanna download the tool, play with it, um, and see what it's about, then you know you can you can go there. Um, for the for the other tool, the online one, that's osintool.com. It's either with a hyphen or without a hyphen. Uh, you can just go there. It's free. You know, there's no charge. You can see what it's about. Enter your own API keys, um, see see what it does, play with it. There's a video somewhere that explains how it works as well. But it should be pretty straightforward how that stuff sits together. So you can always email us as well, uh, you know, or maybe go to the website. On the website, there's a contact us form. Um, we are pretty okay with replying to those kind of things. So um, if you're interested in taking a look at the tech. Uh, um, that's that's where you can find it, and you can also interact and send us and send us email there.
0: Awesome. Well, I look forward to our next conversation.
1: Uh, thanks, Tom. Yeah, let's see when we when we're going to do that again.
0: This has been another episode of breadcrumbs. If you'd like to learn more, you can find us online at tracelabs.org, on Twitter at Trace Labs. But if you really want to find us, just follow the breadcrumbs